Father, we thank you for this amazing, wonderful opportunity to gather in your presence. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill every person right here, even more right now. We want more of you. Jesus, more than any gift this Christmas, we want more of you. Lord, we come into your presence and we say, you don't owe us anything, but we want more of you. And I ask, Lord, that as we share today around your word, that you would cause our hearts to come alive just like it did that night that you visited the shepherds. Just like that good news that you preached to them that brought so much joy that it would do the same thing in our hearts today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We've been talking about visitations. And uh, Carol's done an amazing job in the last couple of weeks. You remember the first visitation, the angel that appeared to Zechariah. Then we had the angelic visitation to Mary. Mary, we know that you're a virgin, uh, but you're about to have a child. And you're about to have the Messiah. And of course, Joseph, her betrothed husband, had a hard time with this. So the angel had to appear to Joseph as well and explain the story. So Mary and Joseph are together now. And we move on to what is seen as the greatest angelic visitation of Christmas. We sang about it. But we have the, the story of the angels visiting... Not the religious people, not the rulers, but the shepherds in Bethlehem. Interesting, right? And so today we're going to be talking about from Luke chapter 2. In these days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now Joseph and Mary, he is from the lineage of Bethlehem, the lineage of David. And he has to go to Bethlehem. And so it says they leave Nazareth, they go to Bethlehem, the town of David. Bethlehem is the town of David. Good. I'm just giving you clues as to where we're going. Because Josh, Joseph belonged to the house and line of David. He goes to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting this amazing child. So while they're there, the time comes for the baby to be born. And she gives birth to her firstborn, a son. She wraps him in swaddling cloths, which are the same cloths they used to wrap the baby lambs when they were born, and places him not in a lovely little cot, but in a manger where the animals feed. How many of you put your baby in a feeding trough? Now, you may not have animals that feed from a big manger, but you don't put your baby in the dog bowl, right? They, they had no place to go, and they put this baby in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse... Right, how are we doing there? We, yeah, can you change for me there, Bev? Thank you. So there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord, you see how bright that angel is? He was a lot brighter. I had to dim him so that you could still see me. <laughs> this picture was actually taken by a shepherd by the name of Joshua. And it's uh, found in the recent archives that were discovered in a cave. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Have you ever noticed that angels, whenever they appear, the natural response is terror, fear. And what is the first thing that they have to say to the people? Do not be afraid. Then the angel goes on and says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, Christ, the one you've been waiting for, the Lord, Kyrios. It was the same word the Hebrews used as a replacement for Yahweh because they weren't allowed to say that word. And this will be the sign to you when you go looking. Don't just look for any old baby. You're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. Suddenly, the great company of the heavenly host appears. So we have one angel, and all of a sudden, a great company of the heavenly host. Angels everywhere. How many of you would like to see that? (laughs) Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. We sang this song, right? And on earth, peace to men of goodwill. When the angels had finished singing their long song, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another the right response, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and they found this baby who was lying in the manger. Doesn't tell us what they did there, but they were obviously there for a while, probably had coffee and tea with Joseph and Mary and celebrated the birth of this baby. But when they had finished and seen him and had tea and coffee and fellowship and seen this baby, it says they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And what happened when the shepherds returned? They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. This is a glorious story, isn't it great? How many of you feel Christmassy just listening to this story? This is, this is the greatest Christmas story out there. So I want to just share today in the six hours we have left a, a passionate pre-Christmas preach which will prioritize the three primary points pertaining to this powerful passage. Perfect. And so what are we going to prioritize? I want to prioritize these three, the place and the people. Why this place? Why those people? The prophetic pronouncement. What was actually the message that these angels brought? And the people's praise proclamation, how did they choose to respond? So we've got a few Ps there to answer a few questions. I see the alignment went a little out, but those listening to the podcast can't see that, so they benefit today. So let me ask the question. God's been planning this for how long? Since the beginning. God has been planning this since the beginning. If I was God and I was about to come down and become man, I would plan everything around that event pretty carefully. Would you agree? There is nothing that's coincidental, nothing that's just per chance, nothing that's just... Hey, there's a bunch of shepherds. Why don't we just tell them? Because Jesus is born now. Came a little early. But let's tell the shepherds. They're awake. There was nothing like that. Everything was planned. And you must understand that in our minds, Jesus was born. We celebrate Christmas. But in the time that Jesus was born, he came into a very Jewish environment that had been prepared by a whole lot of Hebrew prophecies. And they had been waiting for this moment. And so why Bethlehem? Why did the king, who was the good shepherd, have to be born in Bethlehem? Everyone ask, why Bethlehem? I'm so glad you asked, because I I have some notes on this. (laughs) Is that okay? You know, I mean, God prepared this. Over 300 prophecies about Jesus. 
Now, for a person to fulfill five prophecies about someone who was to come is pretty incredible. Would you agree? Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Those prophecies are recorded in the most accurate, reliable transcripts known to man of any book ever written. Hundreds of years before Jesus comes. And so there's all these prophecies going on. And there are two prophecies specifically from the prophet Micah that refer to his birth. So I'm going to quickly go to Micah 5 verse 2. And he says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, now Ephratah was a district in Bethlehem, the specific area in which Jesus was born. And it was the place, in fact, where Jacob buried Rachel when she died. All the way back to Jacob, long before the promised land had even been taken. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings, right? And not only that, when you read historian writings about the time, many of them say that God has been creating this holy anticipation for the Messiah to be born. It was like one of them wrote this, that a rumor had been increasing in those days that the Messiah would soon be revealed in Bethlehem. So we're not just coming at a time where there's been hundreds of years of prophecies, but hey, what the heck, you know, it's been 500 years, nothing's happened. Right at this time, God has been stirring by the Holy Spirit, people anticipating that the Messiah is about to be born in Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem, remember what we read, is the town of David. Right through the Old Testament, there was an understanding amongst the Jews of the time that the Messiah would be the son of David. Isn't that cool? Remember when Jesus was walking through the crowd and those in need cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. That claim was them saying, Jesus, we recognize you as the Messiah. Because the son of David was the title used only for the Messiah. So as son of David, he is born in the town and the city of David. David was the greatest king shepherd who acted as priest as well. Jesus is king, shepherd, priest. The ultimate king, shepherd, priest. David was like a foreshadow. David was the greatest king that ever lived, that ever represented the heart of God. And God promised him, you will forever have a king in your throne. Your throne will forever have a king of your lineage. Now we know that David's throne is long gone. No one has found it. Because Jesus is sitting in the eternal throne from the lineage of David in answer to that promise that God gave David. And so here's Jesus. He's the son of David. He's born in the town of David. David, the king, shepherd, priest, was born in Bethlehem. Not only was he born in Bethlehem, his father Jesse was born in Bethlehem. His grandfather Obed was born in Bethlehem and so on and so on and so on. Bethlehem was considered one of the primary religious hotspots in Israel. Where do you think David was crowned king? Not in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. Everyone catching this? Isn't that cool? So what does Bethlehem mean? Beth, house, lehem, bread. It literally means the house of bread. So Jesus, son of David, is born in the town of David. Now, what do we see in John 6, 51? Jesus said this, I am the living bread. That came down from heaven. Is it not appropriate that the living bread from heaven is born in the house of bread? God planned all of this. Isn't it incredible? To send a message, this is the one. 
Now, something else that Micah prophesied, the second scripture that he prophesied, goes like this, about another place from Lord of the Rings called Migdal Ida. You can say that if you like, you don't have to, but you know, you know in Lord of the Rings, where have you come from, O Prince? I have come from Migdal Ida. It just sounds, you can tell that Lord of the Rings was written by a Christian theologian, right? Micah 4.8, and you, O Migdal Ida. The stronghold of the daughter of Zion. To you shall it come. The former dominion shall come. The kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem shall come. Shall be revealed at Migdal Ida. Which means. You guys are clever. Tower of the flock. Migdal Ida. Now this Migdal Ida is an interesting place. It was a tower that had been built long before Jacob. Existing in a place that became Bethlehem. And this tower, actually, it talks about when Rachel died, that Jacob moved to the tower of Migdal Ida. This tower became the tower that the shepherds would use to keep watch over the very special sheep that they looked after in the Bethlehem area around Migdal Ida. So when it says they were keeping watch over their sheep, they were literally over their sheep <laughs> in this tower that they would use, and they could see for way areas to go far away from the sheep, if there were enemies coming, if there were wolves coming, if there were bears coming. Well, I don't know what they would do. Bear, bear! And hide in the tower and hope someone does something about it. But, you know, this tower, it had not just been written about in Micah, but in the Talmud as well. And based on these prophecies... One of the historians says this, that all the prominent Jewish writers had concluded by this time that from all of the places in Israel, it would be Migdal Ida, where the arrival of the Messiah would be declared first. Not just Bethlehem, but Migdal Ida. And so, one of them said it had become a settled conviction amongst Jews at the time that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and revealed at Migdal Ida. Hey, God planned this really well. But why does he appear to shepherds? Would you say, why the shepherds? So glad you asked. Because I have notes on this. Now, these were not just ordinary shepherds. I don't know if you know this, but if you study shepherds in the Old Testament, uh, the shepherds were considered unclean. And they, they looked after sheep who were generally unclean. And so most of the sheep and the shepherds had to look after them in the wilderness area. They were not allowed in the cities. They were not allowed in the places that were considered holy or places that needed people to be clean. The shepherds were always out in the wilderness. Why were these shepherds not out in the wilderness? So glad you asked. Because these are not just your normal shepherds and they're not looking after normal sheep. According to the Talmud, the area surrounding this tower, as far as Migdal Ida in Bethlehem, were deemed to be holy and consecrated, and only these particular lambs could be used in the temple sacrifices. So in other words, these shepherds and these sheep were declared consecrated and holy and clean, and only these particular animals could be used in the temple for sacrifices. They couldn't just use any other animal. The temple sacrifices required clean, pure, holy lambs. So the lambs that they were looking after are the lambs that are used in the sacrifices to take away the sins of Israel. 
Not only that, why are they watching over these particular ones at night? These particular ones at this particular time are very special. Because this took place in the first week of Nisan. Now, when we look at the scriptures around these lambs that are born, I'm going to get there. But when we look at these lambs that were born, we must understand that if only lambs that were born here were allowed for the temple sacrifice, they were also only the lambs that were born here that were allowed for the peace sacrifice and the Passover sacrifice. What was Passover? Yeah, you all know. So those of you that don't, Passover was the time that they celebrated the time that they had to kill a lamb and spread the blood of that lamb on the doorposts of their houses so that death would pass over them and they would not die. The Passover lamb was the symbol of God's salvation for the people of God. The month of Nisan, you can bring up that scripture. It talks about the fact that Jesus is the very first thing that was said about Jesus. Do you know what the first descriptor of Jesus ever was by John the Baptist? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The very first thing said about Jesus. What is the last identity given to Jesus in Revelation? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is worthy to open the scroll? No one is worthy. And I, John, was very sad for no one was worthy. Then they said, look, the Lamb of God who was slain is worthy to take the scroll and open it. We stand in heaven in all eternity dressed in robes washed white by the blood of the Lamb. So here's this Lamb, Jesus, and these lambs have to be used for the temple sacrifice. But when it comes to Passover, the Passover lambs had to be a year old at the time of Passover. So the month of Nisan was the month that they celebrated and led into Passover. The first week of Nisan was the week where the lambs that were going to be used a year later for Passover were being born. Why are they standing watch? Because these lambs are not just any lambs. They're not just used for daily sacrifice. These lambs are Passover lambs being born in this first of Nisan, which was declared a holy day by God right many years before. So the first of Nisan, Jesus is born along with the same lambs that they have to mark and say, these lambs we are marking and setting aside because a year later they'll be for Passover. That very same time Jesus is born, and while they're watching for the Passover lambs, God tells them, go watch for the real Passover lamb who's going to make all those lambs meaningless. No more sacrifice. Isn't that great? They were declaring to the shepherds something that they had been looking out for for so long. These weren't ordinary shepherds. They were serving the Mosaic sacrificial system. They were serving the Old Covenant. And they were being told, that Old Covenant is now going to be replaced by this lamb. Isn't that cool? Jewish law therefore said that these lambs born in Bethlehem would be for the following Passover. And they were born around the 20th of March. So listen, we know Christmas didn't take place the 25th of December, right? Jesus was born in March. That doesn't mean we don't celebrate his birth. There are many reasons why the church chose 25 December. We're not going into that. I've done it before. Go listen to previous Christmas messages if you really want that. But it doesn't matter when we celebrate. The fact is we must be celebrating the right thing. There's so many Christians 
who want to reject, well, Christmas is full of pagan and it's not really the right time. We're not meant to reject, we're meant to redeem. And I don't care what the world's celebrating, we can bring the true message of Christmas in there and transform their view of what Christmas is all about. The very word Christmas means Christ's Mass, worship for Christ. That's where the word Christmas comes from. They declared a Mass to celebrate Christ. So, friends, the truth of Christmas is not merely celebrating a baby in a manger, but it is celebrating the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. And so, at this time, I want to move on to what this prophetic proclamation was. The prophetic pronouncement that these angels brought. They said three things. The first single angel, he says, I bring you good news, right? It's right over there. Of what? Great joy for all people. That that doesn't appear in the Hebrew. It means all people. How many of you know that Christmas is not always a joyful time for a lot of people? I mean, for some people... Christmas is a tough time. For some people, they're having to hang out with people they really don't enjoy, or they're missing the people they wanted to hang out with. Christmas is a time of family gathering together, doing things together. But you know, the truth of the matter is that if we recognize that Christmas is first and foremost the good news of Jesus, and that our celebration is of Him, and that it doesn't matter, no event can bring true joy, it might bring happiness, but only Jesus can bring true joy. There are a lot of people celebrating Christmas this time. And, you know, especially children. I don't know how many of you have children. They're going to be super happy with the presents. But there's no present that can bring joy. True joy. Only Jesus can bring joy. Your gift. How many of you got a gift last Christmas and it's still bringing you immense joy? God bless you if it is. But you know, there's some gifts that money cannot buy. And when they said, I bring you good news, that is the Greek word that was used throughout the New Testament for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is far more than just a baby born in a manger. The gospel message is that this baby went on to live a life that demonstrated how we meant to live. To suffer and die in our place and rise from the dead so that we could be saved and no more sacrifices would ever be necessary. Amen. And so when they give this good news, the second statement that the whole company of angels comes and starts to, it doesn't say they sang, it says they said, some people think they sang. I don't know, maybe they sang. It was a whole lot of them. And they were in unison. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth toward men. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. You know what's interesting about the Passover lamb? The Passover lamb would be chosen. The Passover lamb would then be walked from Bethlehem through a pathway into Jerusalem. The exact same route that Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem at the exact same time, exact same day that they were walking the Passover lamb down that road. And what did they shout when Jesus came down that road? Glory, Hosanna to God in the highest peace. The same proclamation. Peace. So Jesus comes. In fact, at the same time that that Passover lamb was bound at the temple, Jesus was bound on the cross. 
at the exact same time that Jesus cried at that hour, it is finished, that was the exact hour that they would kill the lamb at the post in front of the temple. Isn't that cool? And so what is this message? Glory to God in the highest, peace and joy. Peace and joy. Now we know that unbelievers, you go ask any unbeliever, if you really get to the heart of what unbelievers want, they want peace and joy. You can find people who are wealthy or getting the greatest gifts this Christmas. But you know what, if they don't have peace and joy in their hearts, it's meaningless. And you can find some of the wealthiest people in the world and they don't have peace and they don't have joy. Sadly, there are too many Christians today who also don't have peace and joy. Only Jesus can give peace and joy. Friends, you know what's the good news? Is you don't have to go seek for it. You can just receive it. Jesus, in John 14, verse 27, said this. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, because the world can only give you temporary peace. The world can only say, okay, you're safe now, everything's fine. But then when it's not, you no longer have peace. Jesus' peace that he gives is not the world's peace. It doesn't matter what's going on. His peace says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let your heart be afraid because my peace rests inside you. John 15, just one chapter later, Jesus went on and said, listen, friends, I have spoken these words to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full and complete. Why don't you just do this right now? Why don't you close your eyes and just raise your hands and say with me, Lord Jesus, Right now, I receive your peace and your joy. No matter what is going on, I choose to walk and live in your peace and your joy. And let it be so full that I would spill it wherever I go this Christmas. And then lastly, I'm just going to close quickly with their response because I believe this should be our response. The last thing that was said, when they'd seen him, they spread word about what was told them. And all who heard it were amazed. And then the shepherds returned, they glorified and praised God they had seen and heard. The message of Christmas God prepared way in advance. How much more do you think he's prepared way in advance the things that he has for you? If you would step into them. The message of Christmas is not about gifts that we give each other or just about feasting. There are people who don't have any of that. The message of Christmas is about the good news, the gospel of Jesus that is the only thing that can bring peace and joy to your heart. And whoever you bump into, wherever you go this Christmas, whoever you celebrate with, you can be a bringer of good news, peace and joy. How about choosing to make that the gift that you give to every person this Christmas? Be at peace, release joy, no matter what's going on with the gammon, the duck, the chicken, the guests. You hide yourself in him and be a source of that and release it because that good news is something that deserves to be shared. Amen. Why don't you stand together? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you planned every single detail so perfectly. There's, there's so many things we don't even know yet. 
but that you have planned everything so perfectly for every person in this place. We celebrate the Lamb who was born, the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb who rose and is now the only one worthy. And if you're in this place today, and you still just see Jesus as that Lamb that baby in a manger. The world wants to keep him in the manger. The world doesn't mind about a baby Jesus in the manger. But the angels declared this Jesus is Lord, is Yahweh. The world will accept the baby. They don't want to accept his Lordship. But if you're here today, maybe you believe the baby, but you've never made him Lord of your life never said Jesus I want you to be the Lamb of God who takes my sin away before I close I want to give an opportunity if you're here today and you say I need to say Jesus I want you to be the Lamb of God who takes away my sin and I choose to make you Lord of my life and you need to do that I want to give you an opportunity so Holy Spirit would you move in this place Anyone who needs to do that today and says, that's me, I want to do that today. Won't you just raise your hand, lift it up high so I can see. Lift it up high. You're here today and you know I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want anyone who needs to do that to leave today without doing it. Amen. Would you just say this with me? Lord Jesus this Christmas help me to see what it's truly about I choose to make it a time of giving glory to God in the highest living in your peace and joy releasing that wherever I go and I ask you give me opportunity like the shepherds to spread this good news, to tell this good story to anyone who would listen. Lord, I bless this congregation right now. I ask that you'd fill them with your presence. I thank you that this will be a time of incredible rest and joy and peace for every one of us. I ask that you'd heal family relationships over this time, that you would bless every relationship, that you would cause this to be a time of restitution and restoration. Let it be a time of rest that we would go into the new year full of you and ready and more full of you. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand.